Welcome back to The Graveyard Shift. I'm Nathan Rouse. And I'm James Pugh. And today we're joined by a woman whose industry was among the hardest hit by the COVID pandemic. We're still going to be talking about COVID a little bit, I'm afraid, Alison. <laughs> um, apparently a loss of 126,000 jobs across the industry. Um, Alison, look, we're delighted to be joined by Alison Griffin. I said, why is it Alison? We're delighted to be joined by Alison. We're delighted to be joined by Alison Griffin, Managing Director of one of, we put one of Shropshire's largest event venues. Got to Telford. be the largest, isn't it? The we largest. think it's the yeah. largest. Get rid of one of. Yeah. We're delighted to be joined by Alison Griffin, <laughs> Managing Director of Shropshire's largest event venue, Telford International Centre. We get a whoop. Do we put a whoop on? I don't want it to be like... Um, Steve writes. I want to whoop. <laughs> well, I'm whooping. I'm whooping. Alison, welcome. Thank you very much. Um, look, we touched on it just a tiny bit in our in our sort of prelim intro. Um, what were so? It's trying to cast your mind back now, really. I guess what were some of the biggest impacts uh, caused by the pandemic, sort of specifically to you? Because I guess a lot of people know about events and thought, well, nothing happened. But can you sort of remember that sort of? that call or the announcement from Boris or however it happened and what you suddenly, what you thought about, what happened? <laughs> I think it predates to about February 2020. Yeah. So I am on the Association of Event Venues Board. Okay. So we are, we are Shropshire's uh, biggest venue, but we are also one of the largest event venues in the UK okay. for, for business events primarily, but yeah. also trade exhibitions, consumer shows, sporting events. Okay. So we occupy a sort of in Telford, but it's really important that we know and work with all of our peers in the industry. Okay. So they are throughout, they will be from Scotland down to London. Okay. Is that an invite thing or did you get, you know, is that something that go, hey, we'd really like so to be on board? So right, we're okay. a member of the trade body. Yeah. I'm on the board and a lot of my colleagues are on the working groups. So they have working groups for marketing and communications, yeah. security, event management, okay. et cetera. So it's a way of our event industry coming together. Okay. So as a collective, so you're a all collective. kind of... So we yeah. work together, we're competitors, okay. but we it'll be the trade body for, for an, an industry. So you all went, so oh, shh, together. In February, <laughs> we were sat at ACC Liverpool and COVID was start to, started to be being talked about. And at that point there were the posters in toilets about washing your hands more right. and singing happy birthday. The light touch stuff. And it was yeah. um, kind of something that was happening somewhere else around the globe. Yeah, and it was never going to come. It's not going to tell them, is it? It's not going to come to the UK. So yeah. no big concerns at this point? A pre-plan. I guess, I suppose, none of us thought that we were about to be hit with yeah. a bit of a wrecking ball did yeah. we as people yeah. or as businesses we just something was happening yeah. out in in the other wide world that was being discussed and i think what then happened next is between february and the point at which we were we went into lockdown was our clients which are as i said corporates or associations or consumer shows started to go is it the right thing to do to bring a lot of people together when we're all supposed to be washing our hands yeah, and, and, yeah. and not being near each other? So the first of the calls started to come from our clients, which is, can we just postpone our event, please? Perhaps just to the summer. Yeah. To the summer of 2020, we'll just postpone our event. And so that will have happened in February, day one, one client doing that. Mm, okay, what are our terms and conditions? What are we going to do? Yeah, okay, we'll move you to the point at which by the beginning of March, 
the floodgates have opened and the majority of your diary that's sitting there six months in front of you is ringing you going, I don't want my event, what are we going to do? And who's coming to you at that point? So, so is it your sales team going, I've had another call? Are you getting the calls personally because they want to... Right, through okay. to event managers, through yeah. to sales managers, okay. through to us direct. So floodgates have opened. So it's like, what are we doing here? And also those events that are happening at that time in the diary in February and March, they are live in your building and they're starting to think from that point of view of their own PR, should we be here? Yeah. Um, and I think as well, probably around that time, the Business Design Centre in London held an event and COVID was there. Yeah, yeah. There was a story, wasn't there? I can't, I cannot remember. Or QE2 Centre, sorry, I've just... We better just get rid of the business design centre because it, it wasn't, wasn't the them. Business. It was the QE two, <laughs> the QE2, and that hit you know all the all the daily all the press, all yeah, the press yeah, of course, yeah. and therefore all of a sudden you shouldn't be seen at a live event anywhere. So it was almost happening before we got to that point of yeah. right lockdown and we're shutting. We are shutting venues. Venues can't trade, which I think was late late March. Yeah. Um, and what are you thinking? So you're, yeah, you're in that, you're in that situation where all the calls have come in. You're trying to be nice because you're like, um, you can't, you know. I, yeah, again, you can go lit, down the sort of litigious route and go, well, actually, sorry, you haven't given us enough notice. Um, but I guess you sort of take it initially on the chin. But there's not only their business that you're worried about because you've got to replan or whatever, but your business. You know, I mean, how many people do you employ? What was the, you know, you've got a massive yeah. space. You've got so many events. You know. So at that point, we were employing around 90 full-time permanent staff. Wow. And then we will scale up for any event up to maybe 500 staff using uh, casual staff as well. Yeah. At that point, those two weeks, I would say it was adrenaline. Yeah. Uh, living off adrenaline and then trying to adapt to something. So not going, well, we don't want you to cancel your event. Let's look at other ways to work with you. Yeah, yeah. Through to the point that once lockdown, once the government said you're not operating, it then becomes a force majeure term. But yeah. actually, you don't want to apply that either because you want to work with all your clients in the future. I know. So I think we took a really good approach, which was to have good conversations with our clients, who also, bear in mind, most of our clients are running their events because either that is the biggest commercial thing in their world, Massively. and if they don't yeah. have their event, their businesses might be over too, and or they are clients such as um, the, the Association of Anesthetists. And they are bringing Easy for them... you to say. Yeah, I did that very well. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I it's really difficult. It. Well done, Thank Marie. you very Great much. Great example. Thank you. <laughs> so they are bringing together people who are learning things and doing things that help our country in the future. So they, they also kind of need to come together. Mm. So you're stopping people, all your clients are stopping what they are doing to trade or to network yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so we then at that point kind of took an approach, which was we really need to work with our clientele to find a way through. But at the same time, that's the client base. Like you say, our business, what, what is going to happen to our business? But more importantly, our staff, because yeah. they're confused. They don't know what's going on uh, when we're running as, as we are back up and running now really very well. We are going from event to event to event and our operational staff 
that's their world. So all of a sudden, you've just gone. You're not. You're not working that world anymore. So it's. Uh, uh, it was quite. I'd say bewildering. Completely yeah. bewildering. I think we made a good business decision to um, place pretty much every single member of staff onto furlough. So we went extremely lean very early, even at that point thinking that we'd be back in the summer of 2020. Even then. And I think that placed a huge pressure on the the couple of people that stayed back to work, but it also placed a huge pressure on just going... See you soon, staff. And and that it's, weird, it's, it's it? just it's really weird. uncomfortable, actually. Yeah. And one of the learning points I, I will always think about is how we then went on to communicate with that team. Okay. And we we could always have done that better. Yeah. I th- I think I think we kind of took a path which was we'll tell you something when we know something. Yeah. But, but also the then, guy, yeah. But, but but then that was perhaps too. We we should have we should have just chatted sometimes. But, but then there, but was, then there was, wasn't. Uh, in all honesty, there wasn't enough of us to keep because of just busy yeah. trying to hold. But guidance the business at that together. point as well was don't communicate with staff because. It's oh, yes, a bit you like you're asking. Yeah. To, were it's you? a bit like no, no, they might it. feel like they're still working. Yeah, and if no, they're not then working, then you're they're not don't... following the furlough. Yeah, yeah. Right. I know. It was really. Yeah, weird. that's don't, it. Don't yeah, you, of course. Did you still yeah. work through it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From home. From home, yeah. Did you? Yeah. You're absolutely right. I'd forgotten that bit. So you yeah, weren't I've been terrified. To, were you? That's yeah. it. We used to have sort of um, at the end of each last Friday of the month, a sort of cocktail. Get You know, we'd all have cocktails, whatever. Sorry, guys. Uh, Post COVID, and, <laughs> and, and, and we'd sort, you know sort of stop the calls because you were like, well, we can't get everybody together. You know, it's like then we there were those who were working, we then did the posted out to people, and we'd have virtual ones. But you kind of it was really difficult to go. How connected can we be with people? The government is saying, you know, don't check your emails, uh, uh, turn your phones off. So of course, I'm sure they felt rudderless from the hot tubs. Um, but I think, <laughs> don't cut that. No, um, it was like, you know, you sort of think, well, it is. it was really difficult, but we we did the same thing. We took the approach, particularly those with family. I kept one guy with me and we worked him like a dog and I worked like a dog. And, you know, we, got, we gave him extra money because he worked like a dog and was brilliant. But, but, we, but we wanted people, particularly those with kids, to be able to have that time because you went, this may never happen again. Mm. You may never have three months or four months where you're not working and you're getting paid. So kind of... Almost, I wanted people to enjoy it while I was kind of pulling a hair out. But you know, sort of PTSD elements of once you're sort of slowly getting back. With you, ours was a bit like right, you can get back. With you, I guess it continued this it, yeah, slight paralysis. So, the cycle, of... so oh, so there's the first batch of clients that said, "Can we move?" All of a sudden, it was we're going to have to move again and again. And and some of our clients will have cycled over maybe four times to get to the point where they came back to and eventually came back to a live show. Mm. So it was like, yeah, surreal, bewildering, challenging, the, the most challenging period of, of, you know, the venue's history, without a doubt. But at the same time, that time to look at your business whilst it's in pause, was really useful. I think myself as a person, I grew hugely. Yeah. As a managing director in that time, I spoke to all our clientele, I developed better relationships. I I already 
I already knew our clientele well, but I knew them even better okay, by great. the end of COVID. I chatted to them on the phone whilst I was walking my dog right. because I was working from home. Yeah, uh, running this process. But that's great leadership. I mean, that's yeah. going. So, uh, so, and also, I got better at things like learning terms and conditions and how you and how you're going to make that constructively work with people. Yeah. Um, and and not make people feel badly or our clients feel badly for needing to move again and yeah. so so we did it yeah i think we did it well yeah i did i think we did that element of covid well and of course we then in that time said well what can we do as a venue so we became a vaccine center yeah for shropshire and we also you know brilliant story we I had an agent. So in the world of live events, you can sometimes have intermediaries that would ring you and say, I'm looking for a venue on behalf of my client. Okay. So someone called me and said, because the the venue's phone was put through to me, someone rang me and said, I've been trying to ring around some other venues and in one venue, uh, I got a member of cleaning staff or security staff. I need to find a large venue for the British Cycling Federation this was to put a replica BMX track from the Tokyo Olympics into a venue. Yeah, yeah it's a fantastic yeah. story. Um, we're going to replicate this track so that uh, the GB team freestyle BMXs can come and train. Pre-Olympic so, training. Pre-Olympic wow. training. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> sure, we can make it work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Need a certain height of halls because of yeah. the way these the tracks are. The That's it. Uh, came to visit the venue on his own, then bought um, the British Cycling Federation team in. And then they had to, it's made out of wood, this track. They then had the issues of getting wood into the UK because of supply issues. Yeah, course, yeah. So it's like one of those great stories, which is sort of by the day they're having to build this track. They had flown out to Tokyo in this time to basically get the the, the track, draw it all out and get this redesigned uh, okay. and put into our Hall 3. Wow, okay. It's under a privacy agreement. So there are people coming in and getting jabs in our Ludlow suite. Meanwhile, down at the other end... <laughs> Charlotte Worthington. Someone's is, doing an endo, yeah, followed yeah, by a cherry picker. Yeah, amazing. Down the other end with a security guard. Amazing. So I think as well, at least we. Is that legal, by the way? Because are they allowed to take the track and get? I mean, I'm sure possibly the best. I'm sure that the American teams would do it. You know, I, here's spy the track, get it rebuilt. Yeah. Get it done. Maybe that is what people do. Yeah. Well, they obviously did. Yeah, that's it. So it's a wonderful story, and she Cloak and Charlotte and Worthington went on to win gold. So you know, you, if thanks you to Telford International yeah. Centre, she's uh, giving you a bit of credit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that uh, that's an incredible story. She should come back. We should get her to tell. We should get her back. <laughs> that would be great just to get Telford with her medal. Bring it to the International Centre. This is where this is where I learned it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that's a brilliant. So yeah. the venue was still in use, which was fantastic. Yeah. And the main thing was, was being an ongoing concern. Because I tell you what, the other thing is that will always happen in the world of live events is, is this now the time when digital is going to kill yeah. live yeah, events? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, marketing agencies, uh, event production companies all adapted, set up studios, yep. did things digitally. 
And it's like, are, are we going to break as an industry? Does no one want a big live events venue anymore? So there's always that story going on yeah. as well during COVID. But, did, um, did, but, but the recovery of that, has that put that to bed? Without doubt. Yeah. Okay. For the reason being is humans largely, we're social creatures. Mm. We want to meet each other. Apart from Jack. We want to. I mean, Jack's not overly social. <laughs> <laughs> Semi-social. <laughs> 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 Happy in a room on his own with his headphones on. No, I know. But he's right. We, we get, we get we a We want to more. meet in person. Yeah. And, and, and also, uh, some of our clients, they will run a conference and they will put an exhibition alongside it because it's you want to see your supplier world in that industry but that exhibition pays for the conference to happen so let's take the royal college of midwives they need to see anything to do with midwifery supply but the exhibition pays for that conference to go ahead and exhibitors do not want to meet digitally online so i know from the association sector in the covid times they couldn't commercialize their events as well as they would like online yeah Agreed. But it's more than that. It was just the human connectivity. Yeah. And after that, sort of when we started to come back after COVID, after the first few events where people were like, shall we shake it? You know, shall we shake elbow, hands? Elbow bump. It's gone. Yeah. That, that has gone. God. What were some of the first events to come back then? Were they large-scale ones? Were they sort of smaller, more intimate? What? Yeah. So... Did the anaesthetists come back? So... <laughs> <laughs> well, it was sort of strange in a way, really, because we had a run of brand new events, mm -hmm. which I have every admiration for those yeah, organisers well yeah. who were first out of the tracks, because you've got to remember we were all conditioned mm -hmm. that we should not be meeting with huge groups of people, and also there was this thing in live events that perhaps it would be not the right thing to do, mm. not the right thing to do to bring your workforce together because what if, what if COVID's there? So I have every admiration for the fact that we had a trade exhibition first out of the tracks to come back and, and run their trade acts and they made sure that people sort of socially distanced, etc. cetera. Um, so we had a furniture show, we had a boxing match um, for the first time, uh, that was a brand new client, and we brought them back. And then we had the Dance World Cup, which was due to take place in Europe, couldn't run in Europe because of the... Um, do you remember all the changes to yeah. how you could fly yeah. and travel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They couldn't get overseas, okay. so they booked Telford So. We came back to work. You've got a, a workforce. Bear in mind, our workforce didn't didn't run an event for about fifteen months. We were one of the longest sectors to be. We were the last. Yeah, we were in that sort of yeah. step four. Boris Johnson's four phases out. Um, our staff team had to come back and remember the world of live events. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, know, you know, mind-blowingly odd. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I can't believe we kind of we let it all happen. I know it sounds terrible, not being a maverick here, but kind of go. We were we were totally sold. This is how you do it, and this is why. There you go. And we all went okay. Will the will the really? we're conditioned, yeah. and now we're going. Can you stop being conditioned because we're going to do live events again? Yeah, really. Yeah. It? it was the daily figures of how many people were dying, and yeah. you know, yeah. when you the fact that you were told not to see relatives, and yeah. you know, had to peer through windows, and you know, it was. Yeah.
But because they followed It's funny, decision. isn't it? But because of that impact, we did you then look at the government's handling, either that's afterwards, we've all kind of become a bit more aware of what was kind of going on. Did that make you more angry? Did you have an opinion on that? Did you just go, I'm just getting on with our own thing and focusing on us? Or did you kind of go, oh my God, we've done this to the letter and you haven't? How was, what was your... Or kind sympathetic of... thinking that, you know, it's new to the government as well. You know, it's not happened before, you know. Tory voter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just joking. I mean, you know, you never know. I think as a sector, and I would, I would think this too, so the, the trouble with events is events can be weddings, big music gigs, football matches, business events. And the event sector at large finds it really hard in terms of to pitch itself to government to explain what it is. Because we would describe ourselves as a sort of professional business events. Mm. But then you've got all uh, horse racing. You know, there's so many different kind of events in the UK that I think pre-COVID, this was an industry doing very well and didn't go to government to lobby, to speak to them, to ask them for cash. We are are a sort of self-funded industry that's getting getting on and and delivering billions into the UK uh, sort of economy getting on with with no real conversation with government. And I think it was, that is where we noticed in COVID times, it's like, what is that dialogue into government on behalf of the events sector? And how do we explain ourselves? And I'm not sure yet that as an event sector as a whole in the UK, we still know quite yet how to speak to government yeah. about what and who we are and how and how you quickly communicate over to... Uh, an MP, what part of the events world you you know you inhabit? Yeah, yeah we're different to the wedding venues. Yeah, oh, yeah but hold and on. of course yeah, yeah. they know about football. Yeah, I know. You, you know, they, and and of course we sometimes line up in in with hospitality too because mm. we are hospitality and tourism. So they know football and pubs. And you you will have seen when you know in the COVID times there were lots of stories about going to the pubs and whether you were eating a pork pie or not and all of that <laughs> and you do you know so you forget about things like that, yeah, that's that. so the hospitality association did very well because that's a, a consumer story that we all want to go and get a pint yeah. down the pub yeah. uh, so it's a voice yeah. i think that's what we've learned about is is how do you get a voice since then the association of event venues that i mentioned have uh, taken on board a lobbying company or a public affairs company yeah. to work with government to okay. try and keep yeah. that story going yeah. so so uh, we we went with we went with the rules we followed the rules and we brought the venue back to life so yeah. i don't i kind of i mean i guess they were just doing what everyone was doing weren't they they were just trying to run the country in the most bizarre times yeah. of our lives yeah. 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 yeah and it was bizarre yeah what about post pandemic would you say the industry is fully recovered to where it was or is it so we've had a huge bounce back, yeah. which is incredible. Mm. Um, and what is even more incredible is the staff team doing it. We had to make redundancies mm. in the COVID times because you shut a business for 15 months. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't got any trade. Yeah. You've got no income. Yeah. Um, so we had to reduce by a third 
we've brought our staff team back and they've done an incredible job at, we've got more events than we did in our pre-COVID trading year. Well done them. them. So we've bounced back incredibly surprised by, I I guess, I think with the corporate world, I was always thinking they would be slow to come back because Mm -hmm. They, their brands, they didn't necessarily want to be seen to be having events too soon. But actually, I think they need to bring their workforces together. Perhaps their workforces are in different places. They're more disparate than they were before because yeah. they maybe work from home. Yeah. So now actually more than ever, they want even to bring Even more their, important, even yeah, more to bring important. people together. I think events That's even it. more important. And to give people a reason to get together, this kind of, yeah. right, okay, so we might see you three days a week or two days a week or whatever, or you'll be in disparate locations across the UK. Let's come together for this big thing. I think it will be even more social. That's the thing. And I love, and I love, I used to love going to shows with clients. You know, it was absolutely fantastic just to see everybody, you know, all together, it was NEC, your place, or, or outside events. Just the way people look and act and interact. And people who used to say business was sort of done on the golf course, you know, 70s, 80s. And it wasn't that. It was just the fact that you've got four people together, two groups of four people together, wandering around for four or five hours. Of course, they're going to talk about business. Of course, they're going to make friendships that last or go outside that a little bit. You know, sometimes it's more important to have that connection. As you said, you know, developing relationships with your clientele, helping them through a process... You'd hope they'd not just be grateful, but just at least have that greater understanding then of what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it. Um, I miss, I mean, I miss people like mad during the lockdown. It was ridiculous. Not so much family, but, you know, just <laughs> colleagues, I think friends. <laughs> puts a spring in your step. Mm. There is, if you go into any large live events venue, just as an event is about to go live, it's electric. There's a buzz in your venue of anticipation. And when you've got your delegates through the door, I, I wish I'd had my phone on me the other day because there was a huge corporate in our building and they were about to go into a hall and there was a noise of chitter-chatter and teas and coffees. But Lovely. it was like, and I wish I'd just captured that noise because that is what an event creates and it creates something really powerful yeah. for whoever that organiser is. Um, Great to hear it as well. Yeah, it's you just don't get that digital with like 40 blank screens on a video, one person sort of leading the conversation and then everybody else kind of like, oh, just clicking their camera on to say something, clicking off again. That's not a, that's not socialising. That's not doing business. You, you've got round it and we should have to view that period as a we pivoted and performed. That isn't that isn't how it should work. That isn't life. Life isn't that. You know, I, you know some guys... 23, Jack, what are you, 27, 26? That's what, imagine like working from home full time, Monday to Friday, yeah, 9, to, f- to. 9 to 5, 30. I know, but then 45 years of that, because by the time you get to pension age, mate, it's going to be like 78 or whatever. <laughs> but but that, all of that time. And then and then the younger you are, the less likely you are to have an office in the house or even a desk. You might be on the dining table. If you've got a dining room, yeah, the you dining know, table, yeah. maybe a kitchen table, <laughs> or you're working on a coffee table, you know, or it's like laptop on your knees. That isn't, that's not a working life. It got you know. pretty quick as well, to be fair. Yeah. It's like Monday to Friday, just working from coding. It's like... Nah. After a few months, I was a bit... Uh... Welcome to Ras Plus, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, International Centre does everything. You know, it's got... What, what, what's your sweet spot? And, you know, you've got uh, cheerleading, kids' festivals, boxing, tattoo conventions, you know, big corp conferences. 
been midwifery, not to be statists. Um, <laughs> the biggest events, the most popular events, what's the sweet? And your favourite event, if you can say. Oh, yes. Oh, my favourite event. <laughs> no, that's too mean. Okay. So what we do is this, and this is really important, we have a mix of events. So we have corporate bookers who will bring a workforce together to either tell that workforce about... Um, their latest business strategy or their latest range for Christmas. Yeah, okay. So, so you've got corporate bookers. We have trade exhibitions where an industry comes together to sell things to buyers and or to do that PR of competing and being yes, yeah. the biggest seller in the room. So yeah. you have a trade exhibition. You have association events whereby it's conferences and exhibitions and it's about learning and teaching okay. Uh, groups of people. We have sporting events uh, as well, such as British and English gymnastics. So yeah. we deliberately have a mixed bag of events because all of those different type of market sectors buy from us differently. So it allows us, the further out we book onto our diary, the better business concern we have, the better we are solid as a business and therefore we can make sure we invest in the right resources, be that people or yeah. the building. Yeah. The building is huge, so it requires huge, huge yeah. investment. So we deliberately have a diary strategy of making sure that we have lots of different types of events in the building. Okay. Um, in terms of events kind of coming up, we've got some uh, really... Uh, good clients from Shropshire who will be putting on their national events. So that could be corporates such as Capgemini, okay. Lyrico, Muller. Nice. Uh, we'll have corporate events with us. We have a client uh, based in Wellington in Telford called the Cho Tow Show, which is the tow trucking industry. The Shropshire Chamber, who bring their annual awards to us as well. So right. we're home to a good number Loads of, of Shropshire-based events who are holding that. So we are of a national scale. We're largely yeah. looking after... Uh, national events so um and and in addition coming up we are really looking forward to in april uh hosting the here's another one so if i get this out without fumbling over <laughs> my words it's avco and it's the association of british professional conference organizers Boom. Um, and they will be bringing about 150 national event organisers to Telford, and we are really looking forward to putting a huge town welcome on for wow, them. Wow, that's quite significant then. To, to, they choose you, and that's... They chose that's... us, and it's hugely significant because as a destination, we have to work harder than city competitors. Agreed. So largely our competitors are cities, yeah. and you have to work that bit harder because... If, if I said to you, tell me something about Manchester or Liverpool or something, you're going yeah, to go, okay, the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, if you said to someone who doesn't know much about Telford or Shropshire, come on then, what do you know about Telford? Yeah. You are you are yeah. less likely yeah. to get someone to go, oh, I, sort of name check. So we, we, our sales and marketing teams, work harder yeah. To put Telford on the map than you than you can imagine. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's so now I'm losing my train of thought. We now what your question we now, was? We now, oh, okay. So yeah. So we're hugely delighted to have right. them because this allows to us to showcase everything that the right. venue, but also Telford yeah. has to offer to an okay. event organizer. Bearing in mind, most of the events that we have will be one or two nights, two yep. or three live days. Okay. So they can come. They're going to come and experience us, and we'll see that Telford has 
all it needs for, for events of huge scale. That's really interesting, then, because when I was um, I was at Geneva Airport the other day and coming in, when you go into Geneva Airport, um, it's watches, everything is, you know, uh, fantastic watch manufacturers, it's beautiful, you kind of walk through to Geneva, this is like, welcome to Switzerland. I flew to Georgia a couple of weeks ago, um, just south of Russia, uh, east of Turkey, and it was saucepans. And I was like, oh, it's quite interesting. It's going through the airport, home of saucepans. Kind of, who knew? So <laughs> when it comes to selling Telford, do you have a crib sheet? Do you kind of go, well, hold on a second, it's the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution. Do you know, <laughs> 1779, Abraham Darby. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, what 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 is it? Apart from going, we're just a freaking amazing venue and look at all the stuff we do. Is it more you selling you than you selling town? Because otherwise you've got the good rail links and good, you know, road links. You know, the M54 is pretty easy. It's the quietest motorway in Britain, probably. I don't know. Is that a selling point? I'm not here. You know, it's so difficult. I get what you mean about going, come to Telford, not... Birmingham, yeah, but people don't immediately have no. a sense of what that is. And also when you are based in a town, people might go, well, that venue kind of, that's surely smaller than a city centre yeah. venue. Yeah. I think the learning point for us was confidence. So, so we're a town we were a town venue, yeah. we're a town located mm -hmm. venue. So we actually still have, and in actual fact, is almost better than a city centre venue. We don't have congestion. It's not yeah. hard mm -hmm. to get around Telford. Right. You don't want such a brilliant destination on your doorstep that allows people to go, I'm just leaving that event because yeah, yeah. I'm just going to go and oh, do so, yeah. all mm. these things yeah. right. So we have an excellent compliment on the doorstep of, you know, Telford Town Park, if you want to go for a run. Oh, I want right. to go up and, and pop into the shopping centre or yeah. to the leisure areas, yeah. or I've got a couple of hotels on site or within okay. walking distance. So our cell is on, uh, oh God, it's, I can't so say this without being cliched, that's oh, what we call the boxes. Do you remember yeah, from the course. 1990s? Yeah. Yeah. Every marketing campaign we'll definitely was- Definitely cut that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we tick all the boxes. Yeah. They're great. We tick all the boxes, yeah. but our sales and marketing team do it with, with creativity yeah. in a way that I think we outcompete the competition in terms of being creative with the sales and marketing that we put out. Well, the other venues must hate you then because obviously, you know, really which so. is really good because <laughs> you've kind of got cities going, well, we're a city, so of course they're coming to us. They've gone to what? Telford, where? You know, so it's great punching above all the time. I guess, what what would you, would you have any other demands and at the council to go, what else can we have to attract, but how else can we make it easy to get people here? Because you're you're such a pivotal part of the the, of the the economy, not just for Telford, for Shropshire, you know, it's it's, it's pivotal yeah, that, so you, that you flourish. You, you, we have about a quarter of a million visitors to the venue every every year mm. and we estimate there's there's different measures for this but we estimate that would probably bring in about 100 million pounds worth of spend to the town and area so it, it's of huge Massive. importance uh, you know we are the key business tourism product of Telford and Shropshire so yeah. you're bringing visitors in and of course if you didn't have those 250,000 visitors and you didn't have that up to 100 million pounds of spend, Telford and Shropshire would miss us. Of course. So we've got two tasks. We've got to keep investing in that venue so that it's always fit for purpose for what an event organiser needs and wants uh, in terms of what they're looking for when they bring an event to us. But then, like you say, the destination always needs to be 
equally a great compliment to us that people will go, well, I still want to visit this destination as well. So uh, work really hard on building the relationship with Telford and Reekin Council. Um, I think they understand what we are trying to do alongside them and they are supportive. Uh, They will be working with us on ABCO to ensure a really good town welcome. Right. What is the feedback you get, particularly from people who, you know, Fence new, first time they've been to International Centre. You know, what is it about the venue and Telford Shropshire they like? Yeah. I'm going to say it's our staff. Mm. And I don't know what it is. You know that thing we were talking about before an event? There's an anticipation. On running an event operationally, there's a huge adrenaline. And I also think there's deadlines. This will be the same in your world. Yeah. If you don't hit a deadline, you've let someone down. So having a deadline in a business is always really useful because you can't put it off and go, I'll just do that tomorrow. I'll just do that tomorrow because your event won't go live. So I think if you are a a person who enjoys working to deadlines, who enjoys working with people, you will love working in the live events industry. Mm. And once you love it, you won't leave it. Um, but it is of huge importance to our staff team that every visitor and every organiser has a phenomenal event. And it is there throughout every staff member. And that is what makes the huge difference at Telford. Mm-hmm. So you will walk into our venue and it is spick and span. It is clean, it's tidy. And anything that needs maintaining gets sorted out straight away. We don't let the venue slip backwards. Yeah. So it's clean, it's tidy, and people will walk in and go, and the aesthetic is modern, it's contemporary. You'll walk in and go, this is a nice space, this this works me, but it is our staff who work so very hard to make sure that organiser and and whatever they're trying to achieve with their event goes to plan. Yeah. And you still get the buzz, clearly. It's quite, you know, that sort of... They just, I would say our sort of staff team thrive off it. And it is incredibly hard work because we we uh, have integrated, we, our services are in-house, which would differ potentially to some of our other competitive venues. We don't, we don't um, contract out our services. So we have food and beverage in-house, event production oh, in-house, okay. yeah. cleaning in-house. Um, we like to do that because we can control the levels of service we give. Um, but it, it means that our staff work very, very hard and often long antisocial hours as well because uh, we, we've had a client in yesterday that started at 9 in the morning and they finished at 2 a.m. Um, and some of the staff will be working very long hours to make sure that happened, but uh. they're back today and they're, <laughs> they're so chuffed with the feedback yeah. that they've had. It's quite a feedback-driven industry. You know, your question was right about sort of, you know, what is the impact? What do people come back to you with after they've been there for the first time? You know, it's great to know that the staff are so important in that process because you're right, it's bringing something to life. You can't, it's not a, you know, you tick all the boxes, but it's not a box tick just for that, bring it to life, please, everybody. You know, be buzzy, be excited for them. You know, know, it's a big deal. If you're putting on an event for the first time or you're moving your event from one venue to another... Or you're giving your venue trust. You've got nothing tangible. An event is a nothing, is it? It's in someone's head to start with. It's like, oh, should we do an event? What does this event look and feel like? And I've got to get that picture out of my head and into the venue's mind and trust that they're going to create that with me and and make that event happen. Mm. 
So there's a huge amount of trust, especially with a, a new booker, to go, well, go on then, we'll choose you. But they've got nothing to go, you're going to do this well. Yeah. Other than that working relationship that you build and uh, work on together, I suppose, yeah. But staff key, and you, you, you sort of mentioned about staff earlier. Yeah, well, you know, it's quite well known that a lot of businesses, you know, have in the past and are continuing to struggle to recruit. Um, how have you found it? Particularly when you know a big event's coming up and you've got it, you know, you need an extra hundred people to put on an event. Yeah, casual as well. Yeah, yeah. you're right, casual yeah. as well as full-time. When we first came back from COVID, it was... Um, resources were an issue because we were running the same volume of events straight away on less less staff uh, but certain sectors such as looking for chefs looking for cleaners um, looking for event managers um, riggers uh, people had moved in or out of the industry of course yeah so this is an industry that are, that demands a lot of people, asks for long hours, and maybe this is a time in COVID where people took stock and changed industries. Yeah. And maybe, you know, people coming into the industry thought, what what if there's another pandemic? Mm. What what if I'm gonna what if the hospitality events industry is gonna have a wobble again? Um, so we found it hard coming back. That's that's largely stabilised, but we've started to think about our recruitment in different ways. So there's been a lot of good work put into buddy up with the colleges in Telford and right. Shrewsbury and the universities in Wolverhampton, Birmingham and Chester through Shrewsbury yeah. as well um, to find different ways to recruit uh, staff that will come in at entry level and one of the things I think we do well as a business is grow people through the business so maybe start in one role get a sense of how the venue works yeah. you might like a different job try a few things out and yeah and you've got of, that variety there as well yeah, yeah. that's it so yeah. we've tried to look at recruitment in a different way it's it's still tough it's yeah because yeah. well, it's a tough you know you're it's a tough job you know it's long you know it's newspapers always that as a professional, you kind of wanted to do it, you know, is what we, we I started on, you started in that. Um, and it was very much kind of, it wasn't the hours, you just wanted to be out all the time. You wanted to be looking after the, you know, the best stories, you wanted to be working on them, you didn't care what time it was. But I guess post-pandemic, I'm sure a lot of people probably go, well, I'm, I'm happy to work, I not quite if I want to work through the night, please. Or I'd quite like to do 9 to 5.30. Yes, and actually sometimes 9 doesn't it's actually work for me. And I've known <laughs> guys who are trying to recruit, you know, web developers and stuff, and one guy's will actually, you know, I'd like this for 365 grand for a three-day week, please, because Monday I, I keep bees. You see, I keep bees on a Monday, so I can't <laughs> have to do that. And then on Friday I've got a book club that I go to. I can't miss that. We work around that. So it is really difficult. It's really difficult to then go... You're going to work really hard, guys, but you're going to get masses out of it. But it's a it's a tough environment to work in. The events industry is tough. You know, it's a it's a difficult sell sometimes. You know, but yeah. you've got to get around that. You know, and we we don't particularly. You know, people come into the venue to work. Yeah, we we, we have the odd work from home day, but largely that's where your clients are. They're in the venue. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so we aren't an industry that perhaps offers it that flexibility that people yeah. may have been looking for post COVID. Yeah. So, um, but the main thing is trying to find different different ways in which to recruit and then retain staff. Yeah. 
into into the venue. But I being guess. proud of it as being, you know, it's a pivotal part of Shropshire. Being, you know, it's, it's the pride of Shropshire in many ways. You kind of go, look, we are responsible for 100 mil. We've got a quarter million people coming through. We're growing. We want to get bigger. We've bounced back. We've dealt with it brilliantly. Be part of it. I mean, that's quite a, that's a great message in, in sort of many respects as well. You know, we want people to see that. So for people who want to come in, who can have this sort of venue on their doorstep to work in and have all the variety that you've got kind of coming in, is great. You know, I know somebody works for you. And the, the variety is brilliant. There is, you know, it's full on, but it's the, the variety is fantastic. And we give a large amount of autonomy and independence to all of those job roles. Yeah. So we are independently owned uh, and therefore I think, you know, certainly with things like marketing, for example, the ability to create that marketing plan and, and sort of be responsible for the job area you have, we, we hand over that responsibility to yeah. staff members to sort of manage and lead upon as well. Yeah. So if you, if you respond well to that kind of responsibility, I think you'd always get on really well at our venue. Yeah. Exciting. And ahead, what's coming up? Give us a little bit of a um, of a what's on listing for some of the stuff that's coming up or, or a sort of plans that you've got for the venue. Um, uh, so this is a really interesting one. This weekend we've got um, boxing, which would be um, influencer online YouTube boxing, which is a new style of boxing for us. So that will be kind of interesting to see how that what? runs. So huge social media influence. So you have uh, you have the type of boxing, which would be professional boxing. Yeah. Then you have um, boxing, which sits somewhere between um, celeb boxing and professional boxing. Okay. And then you have like influencer boxing. Influencer boxing. Wow. I would love to. I'd yeah, love to so see some influencers in a boxing huge ring. Social media profile. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. So that's this 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 weekend, and that's people um, in person and watching online. So it's a, a, a yeah. hybrid. Is that called a hybrid event, or is that no? It's just an event for us. Isn't yeah, it? Fine. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the venue more broadly, well, it's exactly what I said. We have to invest huge amounts of money into our venue. Yeah. So we're 15,000 square metres, which is hard to conceptualise, actually. It's so difficult. And I should to... have an analogy that says that's how many football, football pitches. pitches. Yes, yeah. How many, how many Olympic swimming it. pools? I've fallen. I've fallen. <laughs> First, media hurdle. Media hurdle. I can't <laughs> give you a comparison. This is media training. Yeah, Lesson one. Yeah, how many football I've pitches? Failed. I've failed. <laughs> It. Fifteen thousand. It's a huge building. <laughs> yeah, that's you is, do is, that. Is how many building. football pitches? Yes, um, it's fifteen. Just quickly, have you? What's sort of the weirdest request for an event you've had that might not have been possible? You've had to say, "Sorry, we can't," or you've ended up hosting it anyway, and just thought, "Wow, that's unusual." Does <laughs> anyone stand out? There must be. Cause you've just <laughs> unusual events. It's not unusual. It's not unusual, but I would say the things that we do that are that, that might be different to the norm yeah. are the hospitality events that we do to bring potential buyers to Telford. Yeah. So that conversation we were having about um, where's Telford? What's Telford all about? Why should I come to Telford? You've got to create a situation where people are going to come out of their office. Yeah to spend the day or an evening with you to actually understand what Telford's all about. Yeah. So we have 
always done some really varied things with hospitality events to invite people to come and to come and see us. And that will be, uh, for example, things like we did the. I don't know if I'm about to exaggerate here. <laughs> <laughs> the worlds, the countries, Europe. <laughs> <laughs> The Europe's uh, biggest ever escape room in the venue. We love an escape room. Yeah, so we did an escape room. Uh, I'm, I'm probably claiming. I'm probably claiming the work of a colleague <laughs> here. Uh, You're the MD. It's fine. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we did an escape room where we invited people and they didn't know that where they were coming to. Um, and so they were collected from wherever they are based and brought to Telford and had an escape room experience and then evening hospitality. Um, other hospitality that we've done, we've done a very small, very high-end food and beverage event for around 12 people in one of our largest halls. So oh, I, wow. I guess the most unusual things we would do are events of our own to say to people, just just come have a look yeah. because the minute the people arrive in Telford or walk through TIC's doors, they will know that's the venue for them yeah. because I, we are the, the best professional um, event space in the UK for events of a certain scale. And by that, I mean over kind of 500 delegates. Yeah. Or for an exhibition that you would regard as, again, I'm going to do a square meter thing, <laughs> over about three three thousand square meters to ten thousand square meters, a, a medium to large trade exhibition yeah. in the UK. We're going to be the best event Boom. space for it Love in the it. UK. Yeah, but we have to make sure people are aware of that. So I guess that that nearly three football unusual. pitches, by the way, oh, I think seven thousand meters is uh, is square meters is a is a football pitch. So yeah. <laughs> so the I think through the COVID times we did some. One of the things about stopping during COVID and you're not running your events calendar, we did things like do things in the venue, refurbish some toilet blocks, change the yeah, boilers, yeah. et cetera. Um, and we continue with all of that work because I think if you have a large building and you ever let it slip, the amount of more money that you need to pump in yeah, okay. to keep that venue up to speed just becomes huge. Yeah. Um, so in the coming year, it's uh, we will be doing more work on the venue so that it's always fit for purpose. But in addition, we will also be looking, now we are back up to speed, running our events calendar. The, the next areas we need to look at are sustainability, yeah. well-being, um, that, you know, there is huge demand from organisers around what does a carbon neutral event look like? How do you measure a carbon neutral event? Um, and how do you put well-being into an event in its in its live event form, but make sure sort of before, during and after and for your staff team as well, that well-being is a consideration. So they are kind of the event industry trends that yeah. are kind of coming through that yeah. we need to take a look at now we're back on our feet, I guess. Yeah. Big investment. To... Big investment always, I guess, doing a sort of a net zero event, a kind of carbon neutral event. I mean, it's just, it's huge amounts of investment. And um, there's that whole thing, isn't there, about greenwashing and being yeah. authentic and being realistic about what you are yeah. going to achieve and being honest about that. And yeah. 
what your sustainability journey is. I know, I know. Good I'm to discuss. I think it's a good thing for staff to be involved in as well, actually. It's quite interesting just to kind of as a collective to kind of go, where are we? What are we doing? How can we all have an impact? Because even if it's an impact, it doesn't have to be a sort of 100% impact. As long as it's an impact, you know, how can we do things slightly differently? Well, um, that's what we're starting with. We're going, really what good. can we do? Yeah. So, okay, electrical vehicle charge is an obvious one at a venue. Uh, the next one would be... LED light bulbs. Yeah, of course, I know. So I, I, right, refit. I should know yeah. this, and I'll know this for next time, but I don't know how many light bulbs we have in the venue. But Second media many. question failed. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> how many <laughs> football pitches? It? How many I light bulbs? I don't know how many light bulbs I there mean, are in the yeah, building. A bit of prep, a bit of prep, Alison, as well. And they are, <laughs> we've only just changed some of them to LED, okay. and they are obviously what's happened in the last year is our utility bills have gone through the roof. Yeah. So that will be a an investment. So we've got a huge expenditures there to change our lighting. Yeah. But if we did that, that's going to long term change our utility yeah, okay. bills. And because there is only you can't pass all of these costs onto your clients. No, of course. I mean, are you? Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Do you turn the thermostat down one degree and that you know saves ten grand? I mean, it must be a fortune to heat that space. It must be an absolute fortune. I should be able fortune. to do maths, but we've gone from something like five psm of gas to at its highest, it was about five pounds. So wow. that's just that's many horrible. times. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, that is horrendous. What we wanted after the pandemic, yeah. Yes, but the trouble is a great business, you know, which is what you obviously are, and it's being you're leading it incredibly well because the challenges that you've had all distilled into the last sort of two years, you know, have, have, I mean, lots of venues have gone under, lots of people have quit the industry, you know, you're you're sort of still seeing it through, and you're seeing it through with a smile on your face, a smile on your face, and you know, and you've got plans, and a lot of people just bury their head, you know, this is no time, you know, for, for you know, honestly, the, the the leadership of this is really important. Because I was, you know, I was talking to another a friend who runs a business going through a pretty tough time at the moment. But he's like, I'm just going to work through it because I've got to. And there is that bit that I guess through COVID, we kind of went, oh, well, we can do this. You know, we set up, we, we started this business in recession month one, 2008. I said, well, if I can earn money this month, we'll be all right. And I guess you kind of need that sort of mentality, I guess, in business to have gone through, you know, whether it's recessions or, or pandemics, um, you know, various different changes in legislation to come out the other side and go, we're still going. We're actually, we're getting better. And we're improving our processes and we're improving the venue and we're getting better known and we're stealing bigger events. That's kind of, that's fantastic. Well done. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think it's a couple of things there is um, you always have to yield the best events because you've only got so many days you can sell. Yeah. So you need to sell well because if you, if you win an event that, that offers food and beverage, that offers hotel rooms, that offers event production, that allows us to invest more back into the building and into our people. Yeah. Um, we're doing a lot of work on explaining what we're about. So we're a professional event space, we're a large event uh, space, but we're about style, substance and service. That's, that's really important. Right. But I guess a, a personal aim for me has always been about the legacy of Telford International Centre to Shropshire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm and about what it does for the county. And I think that's of huge importance. And one of the things as well, in terms of that bigger, wider plan is, okay, 
We want to put Telford on the map. We do that really well with our clients, but it's what's that biggest step piece that goes, we're putting Telford on the map and people people then do that thing that go, Liverpool, Beatles, Telford, yeah. Telford International mm. Centre, what is yeah. it? And I think that is our next aim and ambition is we make sure that people really do understand that we are one of the major players in the UK and that's of yeah. like huge significance to Shropshire. Hey, you've got tick in your thing, TIC, we tick all tick. the boxes. Tick I mean, come on, come on, Gia, I'm writing this. I'm literally writing this and doing a podcast. Come on, guys. Can we do a retro 90s campaign? We tick all the boxes. TIC all the boxes. This is gold dust. This is gold dust. Alison, look, we need to wrap because otherwise you'll be here for two hours. Um, we could talk for honestly, we could really talk forever and ever. Um, thank you for coming in. It's thank great. you very it's much great. for having me. Yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation. And you thank said you. you were nervous, you were nervous remotely. <laughs> honestly, I think it, it is the sometimes the podcast can be a bit you stick a microphone in front of someone and they go, Hello, <laughs> you know, preamble chat. We want it to be really relaxed, we want you to kind of be you know, relaxed and talk openly. And thanks for listening in. And you know, there's so much going on uh, in the last two years, but you're out the other side. You know, yeah. it is really good. I just want to ask one. He always does this. One. Uh, oh, always does. He has to have the last word. <laughs> you mentioned the venue was Spick and Span, and I've covered the UK Dairy Day for the last few years. But there's a lot of cows. Cow, Personal cow question. Poo. Yeah. <laughs> Whose job is it to clean that up? Because I was, yeah. Um, and do you like, are you there and thinking, oh, God, if, uh, <laughs> I'm proud of this, having this venue really clean, tidy, and. Don't they take emodium? Isn't there like a cow emodium to stop them from, <laughs> no, uh, no, there isn't, from no. excreting? <laughs> emodium. <No. laughs> Here I we mean, go. We've got another brand. Emodium. Emodium for cows. That's got to be a clear. And then yeah, you're met by yeah sounds and the joys of. Well, UK Dairy Day. I mean, Holstein are equally based in Telford, yes. who are the organisers of that event. Um, which is huge and prestigious, isn't it? And, um, well, it's a rather sweet smell that gets left in the venue <laughs> afterwards. Chuck open the door. He's a country boy and, as yeah, well, you know. And yeah, it you will be, it in some way or means, taken out of the back of Hall 3 with a shed load of straw and um, disposed of in a specialist cleaning way. And because don't even know they've been there. Any, uh, uh, God, how have we got onto this? Is the end point. And animal waste has to be disposed of in a certain way, so it will be taken away. Well, that's by a great s- end to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's thrown in there is a bit different. Ending, you had so cow much hats. time. It's We're talking about an hour and a half. You had so much time yeah, to, to throw that one in. Yeah, I did crafts. I covered crafts for newspaper, you know, a couple of times, and it was just hell. Just the. Well, they're really competitive. Do you remember that dog oh. that got poisoned? Yeah. yeah. The laced steak. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit obvious, isn't it? <laughs> little sort of on, a, on the end of a stick being leaned over, a massive sort of almost like a cartoon ribeye, you know, to be green. Over to you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, super competitive. Yeah. Maybe not the same Holsteins. I don't know. Or the anaesthetists. I always didn't have a problem saying that, and now I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alison. Thank Ooh, you very much.